Hello, welcome back to episode 11 of Audible Forms. Sorry it's been so long um, since the last one. Life's crazy. <laughs> Scheduling's very hard at the moment. Uh, the week that I usually would have put the, um, the podcast out, I was in a field camping. Um, so I wasn't really around to sort of record and edit. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a couple of weeks late. I'm not too bothered. I'm going to try maybe not force myself into a strict you know like a strict schedule maybe if as long as i do one a month then i'll be i think i'll be happy just so i don't put too much pressure on myself um from what i can tell it doesn't matter that people have to wait for this so <laughs> we'll just keep doing that instead we'll just kind of put them out as i can um i'll try i'll, I'll try and keep to every two weeks but we'll see how it goes um usually with this podcast um if you've heard episodes one to nine i usually have a guest on um we talk about a singular word for about an hour um and just you know riff on that essentially and if the conversation goes into a tangent it goes into a tangent you know i'm not too fussed last episode i didn't uh, i wanted to take some user submissions and kind of um go through them myself like one by one maybe like giving sort of 10 minutes to each there was quite a few entries so it could cover a couple of episodes so i'm going to be doing a few more today i think this will be the last one i did five in the last one and we'll do five in this one i think um so i've got them here now some of these might be a little bit harder for me to answer than the last one so we'll um i'll try my best um we'll get through them one by one see where i end up so i think we'll just jump straight into it no more uh, no more messing around the first word that we have here is underground now this is an interesting word because i've it's really it's really hard for me to even understand what that means anymore um i think it's a word in, ter in terms of like music anyway it's definitely a word that made more sense sort of 20 30 years ago maybe even you know even older than that maybe even earlier than that but it's really hard to, for me to kind of understand what the underground is anymore um, because, how do I put it? People in music now on a, on a such a, on such a more level playing field that the underground, things that were unattainable by the underground are now attainable. Um, so let me sort of break that down like so the original sort of music model again sort of like 30 years ago 40 years ago was that you had your big pop acts at the top you know selling millions of albums cds records whatever they may be and then you have like your sort of indie labels so they're like big labels you know with you know maybe a couple of hundred thousand people buying their buying their albums um, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. They're still putting out vinyl. They're still putting out CDs. They're still playing shows and whatnot. Usually a little bit more alternative than the pop scene. So, you know, something a little bit, you know, more, um, a little bit more esoteric, but still palatable, so to speak. Then you sort of trickle that down and then you've got like the underground who will, you know, maybe the music's quite avant-garde and odd. Um, if it's not avant-garde and odd, it's, it's it's small cliquey circles so you know smaller amounts of people going to the shows maybe putting out a couple of cds and tapes and make you know and all that sort of stuff that's a very generalized probably maybe stereotypical look at what the underground is but um i think it's a little bit different now 
with the sort of the advent of online streaming with the advent of things like Bandcamp and the fact that the average person can say press their own vinyl on like sort of mass scales if you've got the money behind you and you could well you know you could sell all those um maybe play some fairly big shows on the on the back of that but you might not even have sort of major label or even indie label backing you could be self-releasing everything um just doing doing things on your own or in like a small collective of people so it's hard for me to sort of even like break down what the underground is in that respect it's it's not as clear not as clear cut as it used to be um especially now like you'll go on Bandcamp and you'll see self-releases doing ridiculously well and selling more and having more plays than some sort of indie label stuff um and also it's like even the pop world is looking down at the underground now um and looking at sort of what's going on there and sort of in in like incorporating what they're doing into their into 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 the pop world and you'll see pop acts doing very undergroundy things um small press vinyls and cassettes and just the the line is definitely in well in, i say definitely in my opinion is definitely not as clear cut as it once was whether or not that's a good thing i don't know i'm not really an advocate for the idea of the underground maybe i'm not as i've never really sort of thought about it too much i don't think it's we should definitely praise smaller independent artists a hundred percent um because they're the ones doing it for the love of it which is which is the best in my opinion but because the line's not so blurred like sorry get my get that correct because the lines are more blurred now i don't know if underground is the right term for this like i don't know if that's a helpful um way to describe the sort of the smaller independent artists anymore because it only takes you know you know certain amount of vinyl sales and certain amount of coverage where they've lifted themselves out the underground stage anyway like you can still be a massive artist and self-release like it's so where where does that balance come from where is the where is the the line in the sand when it comes to being an underground artist um it, it, i've never considered myself an underground artist i probably am in terms of the the terminology and what sort of the, the general sort of idea of an underground musician and what that is i would probably put myself in that category maybe um well, i don't know i've never really thought about it too much i know it's very much villains the the label villain in the, the i guess you call them dream punk sort of vaporwave label they're very much key on the idea of the underground i think that's very respectable and um but at the same time they're also doing pretty mass scale vinyl operations very 
you know, there's a lot, lot going on there and it's very high quality and doesn't feel like what the underground was 30 years ago. Not that I was there 30 years ago, but I know I understand the vibe. It definitely has a more indie label sort of vibe. So it's like, while I respect the 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 push for the underground, how underground is that operation um, in terms of, and that's not, like, I'm not dissing them or anything like that. Um, I think they have a very good operation. It's very it's it's uh it's quite impressive but you have to kind of think well what is it what is the what does the underground mean in a context like that um and i think if you look at labels like uh, villain you can go even more underground than that um you know i think it's a very it's kind of for me it kind of is in that sort of blurred line sort of situation so yeah, I, to be honest, I don't have much to say on this um, topic. It's a bit, it's not one I've ever really thought about. Um, it's not something I've ever really thought about in context of my music specifically. Um, but again, I'd be interested to maybe hear someone else's thoughts and kind of maybe explain what their sort of idea of the underground is because I don't really know what mine is. Um, I've kind of put it across, but maybe, maybe not I'm wrong, but maybe there's a different way of looking at it. Um, so I think I'll leave that one there. Um, I don't want to waffle on it too much. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not well versed with the idea of the underground. Um, and if someone can maybe want to chat to me about it and maybe give some ideas, then that'd be, I'm more than welcome. Um, yeah, well, okay. So we'll move on to the next one. Just before we do that, I'm going to quickly go grab a glass of water. I forgot how uh, dry my mouth gets when we do these podcasts. Uh, when I come back, uh, we'll be doing the word sophisticated. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. I needed to get a uh, big jug of water. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done any sort of solo longs, you know, long, uh, that's the word I'm looking for, like continuous talking. So, All right, so we'll move on to the next one. Like I said before, we'll do the word sophisticated. A very interesting word to have sent into a, a um, podcast about music because I'm not really sure where to where to go with it. But um, we'll, we'll give it a go. <laughs> we'll see how, see how this goes. So when I'm thinking about the word sophisticated in the, in the context of music, I'm maybe probably thinking in terms of presentation um, and how you present yourself as an artist in the world. Um, and in, in sort of in turn to that, like how sophisticated you are. Now, it's something that I've, again, like um, underground, it's not something I've ever really thought about. Um, if I had to talk about it, I'd probably say that I like, in terms of sophistication, I think there is something to be said about it in sort of how you present yourself as a musician, as an artist. But I think it also really depends on what you're doing. Um, I think if you're doing a serious project in terms of your art, if it's something that is not comedic or tongue in cheek or, you know, played off lightly, then I think sophistication can be a really sort of important tool to get your art across. Um, and how you present those ideas, I think, is quite important. It, again, it's not something really that 
I've ever actively thought about. But looking back over my sort of over my sort of music career, especially for the Remember stuff, less so about my other projects, but mainly with the Remember stuff, it was always quite a serious project. It's not really too much in the way of tongue in cheek. It's quite. It gets down to some very core stuff and emotional stuff and quite heavy stuff, at least for me anyway. Um, so sophistication was fairly important. Keeping up, maintaining that sort of, not character, but vibe, I suppose. Um, if I was writing really serious music, probably wouldn't have worked out as well had I done it in a sort of a more tongue-in-cheek, comedic, uh, less serious way. But that's not to diminish like anyone who maybe does do it that way. Um, you know, uh, there probably are um, artists whose work is super serious, but they cut, they present themselves in a ma in a fashion that's not that sophisticated. Um, but it's something that I think can really play into your your world building and your sort of your brand and I, I, that's a really sort of you know, a bit of a shit word to use <laughs> to be honest but your like your identity if you're like again if you've got a serious project you want to maybe put that across and being a sophisticated sort of well-mannered artist is probably quite important doesn't sound too fun when i put it that way though i suppose um always always keep whatever your art is fun if it's not fun you shouldn't do it but fun in as in it gives you some sort of per, like positive feedback not necessarily that you're like you're smiling and laughing your head off as you're doing it um so yeah i guess it's something like looking at my like selfishly at my own sort of music career it's always been fairly sophisticated and something that I, it's just about maintaining the, an image and a character and sort of what you're trying to put across. Remember, it was always, like I said before, it was always a serious project, so I was always going to play it quite seriously and quite straight. And obviously, there was all those sort of mystery sort of elements about it and like the sort of the cyber tragedy, like sort of tag that I put on it. It was always quite important to you know, keep it interesting in that sense, but it was never played off tongue-in-cheekly. Um, I always played it fairly serious. I still do to an extent. Not to say that I'm a super serious guy, but <laughs> like it just it's, it just comes with the, the sort of stuff that I do. Um, yeah, it's not, again, sophistication is not something I ever thought I'd have to talk about when it comes to music. It's a really good word choice. It's really sort of making my... my uh, my cogs turn in real time here <laughs> so if this sounds like i'm confused i'm not not confused i'm just um sort of trying to break it down in my head i think you can like sophistication also comes in your in the way you communicate or don't communicate um and comes purely through the sort of the presentation of the music itself I think Beryl's quite a good example of this Beryl doesn't say anything like he's done a few interviews here and there but the sophistication of the the look 
it's, it's very clean but not clean it's very modern but not modern it's very executed perfectly with a certain level of sophistication um yeah burial is a good example of that he's the only one that's coming to mind sort of straight away it's for, and it brings but the sophistication is not one that comes around in sort of the dream punk scene either if we're going to sort of speak sort of specifically i think the most of the sophistication comes in its organization and through say like the labels i think all the you know the major players now obviously dream catalogs gone was built had dream catalog still be here it would probably be one of the least sophisticated labels going um and i think ha uh, hke would probably agree with me in that sense uh maybe not fully but <laughs> we can have a chat about that if i was when i speak to him about it um but if you look at labels like pure life no problem uh um villain are kind of like the big three in my head in that sense they're very they're all very sophisticated in what they do you know they provide you know good music but high quality product good customer service um they take themselves like they don't i say take themselves seriously they take what they do seriously maybe not themselves seriously but they take the art seriously and I guess that all plays into that sort of sophisticated manner like the it's it's not they don't run it as it's not run like a joke comedy light-hearted thing they take what it is very seriously um because you know it, I think sophistication then maybe comes with care if you care about it and you want to you want to sort of leave a stamp you want to make yourself look um like you know what you're doing and you've got a certain level of authority is not the word but like putting uh, your foot down as in in the thing you're trying to do um but this less happens with artists i think um artists tends to be a little like tend to be a little less serious than the sort of the means of release um again you can you can look at sort of maybe um like the whole like the artists on dream catalog and stuff don't tend to be um as serious maybe i'm probably one of the more serious people when it comes to their music funnily enough but um a lot of artists don't take their music that seriously but again maybe i'm wrong maybe i've just not spoke to enough people about it um and again if you want to chat to me about that please do um like interesting to hear your thoughts if you're a musician in this scene or any scene actually if you're hearing this from somewhere else and you have no idea what the dream punk scene is you know what that is you've just stumbled across this by chance please have a chat with me and we can chat about whatever you do um again yeah i think that's where i'll leave it on that i don't want to ramble too much i don't want to make this look like i don't know what i'm talking about i don't really but <laughs> i don't want to um overdo that um, so I think I'll leave that one there. It's a very interesting word choice, though. Um, maybe something more I need to think about. Um, let's go have another sip of water. All right. So the next one is really interesting for me, specifically. Um, and the word is melody. Now, the reason that this is like a specific 
sort of word for me is that it's something I really, really care about in my music. Um, melody is something I kind of pride myself on a little bit in the sense that I think I'm all right. I'm fairly good at writing melodies. I don't think I'm the best ever melody writer in the world. Um, but it is something that's always been quite key in my music from the very beginning. If you listen all the way back to Love Me on Root Back Home, it's got a very distinctive melody to it. Um, and it's something I think about all the time when it comes to music and like what the what is the perfect melody, how like what's perfect for this song, how can I make this melody more interesting? And my big thing is just making it rememberable, funnily enough. Pardon the pun. Um I want people to go away from a track and remembering the melody that they just heard uh, in that song. Um, that's quite important for me. Because um, I'd like that in music, my, like music, the music that I listen to. I like going away from a track going, yeah, this is like, it's like this is one, what I'm really enjoying it as I'm listening to it. But at the same time, it's, it lingers like I go away I come back and that melody is still sort of hanging around in my head and I think that's a really key um, part of my music and the music that I enjoy I don't know like I don't know how many people feel the same in that respect um, melody for some people it doesn't matter and it's more about the rhythmic content or the sort of the harmony and like sort of maybe the timbre of the tune or timbre however you want to pronounce it but for me like if i if you can go away from my one of my songs and you remember the sort of the key melody line i feel like i've kind of succeeded in that sense um i feel like i've done well in my songwriting abilities um yeah, and it, like I say, it's the, one of the most consistent things I think about when it comes to music. Um, and in, I, I don't know how I've developed that. Um, I think people can go quite overboard when it comes to melodies to write something sort of quite flashy and sort of over the top. If you roll back through sort of my music over the past six seven years you'll know you'll hear that like most of these melodies are fairly simple um there's not much in terms of the complexity i can't get my words out properly the just how <laughs> i won't i won't try again uh how complex the melodies are they're fairly simple i don't tend to use many notes i don't tend to over cram the notes either i like to usually give them a fair bit of space and I like to mix them in so they cut through. Um, happens quite a lot on the new Remember album that I'm writing at the moment. Like they just kind of cut through quite intensely and quite in your face, but it's done purposefully. It's done again for that very reason of going away from the track and you'll remember it. Pardon the pun. Um, and I don't know where it comes from either. I don't know if, if they can't name you any particular songs where like melody was really key. I guess I, one that does come to mind is the opening track, which I can never remember the name of. Um, the opening track of Birth of a New Day by 2814. Um, 
that sort of piano sort of motif at the beginning of the song is one that sticks around um, if we're talking sort of dream punk specifically but yeah I mean it's something I hope to get better at it's something I hope people agree with me I, like I don't really mind about much in the way of opinions when it comes to my music if you don't like it you do like it that's cool um, but I really hope that melodies does stick with you regardless if you like it or not if you don't like the music then that's fine but I hope that you went away from it remembering the melody <laughs> it's such a sad thing to sort of like be proud of um, and maybe I'm talking out my ass. Maybe like my melodies aren't that good. And I'm just being really big, <laughs> really big headed about it. Um, it, is, it has been some feedback that's been given to me though. Like it's something that um, people have come back to me and, you know, talked to me about melody and gone, yeah, no, it's it, like, that is a key part of your music. So it, it, I have had people agree with me. I don't know if everyone agrees with me, but I have experimented with using less melody. Um, because I thought maybe that I was like structure. I was kind of set in my ways um, about how I structure my music and maybe how I use melody. Um, it's really hard for me not to use it. Uh, and if I don't use it explicitly, I'll use it in something. Um, in this, so for example, if I've got a track and I've written some sort of melody synth lead line, um, and I've gone, man, okay, maybe we want to try to make this one a little less melodic, a little less sort of on the nose when it comes to melody. I'll tend to remove it, but somehow it like creeps into something else. So if it's not in the sort of main synth line, it'll be in the bass line. Um, it'll be, uh, you know, maybe a bit of guitar that I record. It will just sneak in back somewhere. Um, I have gotten better at not using melody so much but I think it's just such a core sort of like my structuring it's such a core part of how I write music and what I like about writing music it's like having a conversation it's like me telling you what the track's about and how I'm feeling without words and just through sort of a collection of notes with varying pitches and varying lengths um, harmony is very good for that too but melody is my way of like singing in a way um, I don't sing very much so I'll use synths to sing for me and kind of get what I'm trying to say without actually saying it through a melody um, and so I find it hard maybe then to communicate what I'm trying to say without a melody so then it like it creeps in somewhere else Um I try to use less melody on my deep dive album and made it more about the sound design sort of elements. I do think I succeeded to some extent, like compared to say the couple of albums before, like out like melody is really not a major part. Like it's there, like definitely it's still there, but it's not like as intense as say like Greenstone or City is my friend or even sort of maybe the first first two albums. So I, I, don't, I think it'd be pretty much impossible for me at this point to sort of completely strip the music of its melodic content. However, 
I think it will, yeah, like I say, it will always be there in some form. I've I've even done mel like melody and drums before by like just not even thinking about it, but it's just happened where like I've taken a few different snares that have different pitches and just kind of plot them in so they're rhythmic and it makes sense but the the snares are telling <laughs> i like creating the melody through their different pitches for example it's just i can't i can't escape it the only time i can ever really escape it is if i'm doing some very ambient like i'm doing stuff right now um through my jude frank and under my sort of birth name as such um, making stuff on the polyan tracker which is kind of like a hardware amiga style tracker um and it's quite hard to write melodies on because you haven't got like a traditional piano roll um so you do have to kind of be a little bit more methodical about what you write it's like entering a spreadsheet as they say so when you're making ambient in that sort of context it's a little bit harder to write melody so i don't and it's very much more textural um and sort of about creating a, a space in the chain but yeah it's never gonna go melody is like such a key part of what i do so um expect more very remember-esque like melodies in the in my music moving forward it's definitely not going away um and that's another thing as well i do think i have a distinctive melody style obviously like i said earlier i think i keep it simple couple of notes nothing too complicated but there is something about my melody i've never put my finger on it um maybe someone else can um I do, ha I do think I have some sort of distinctive melody style. I think if, like, if you play a couple of my tunes with sort of big melodies, you can understand what I mean. But I don't know what it is, like specifically. Like it's, it's a bit of an enigma to me what the actual, what the actual qualities of the melody that make it something that sounds like my own. But again, someone else can tell me that. Um, I think I'll leave melody there. I could probably like it all of these other words ramble on for too long. So I'm going to leave that one there and we'll move on to the next one. So word number four. Now, when these words were written, it's about a month, a half, month, month and a half ago, a lot changes happen, a lot of change and sort of things happen in the, in our little sort of world of music that these words, the next two words might be a little bit outdated, but you know, you might have to cast your mind back sort of, February, March, April of 2021. Um, so the next word is end. Now, I, I know why this word was picked for me. Because um, it's something I talk about quite a bit. Not maybe, maybe, not sort of publicly, publicly, but I have talked about in a few podcasts and with a few certain individuals. Um, and that word is end. So let me have another sip. So a little while ago, me and HK put out a, an album under the called um, under the name The End called Hype or Whatever. Um, and it's kind of us embracing something that me and HK have been talking about for maybe a year, two years. And it's the concept that music has come to its sort of end. And we call it sort of end of music or EOM. And it's kind of hard to explain what I mean by that concept sort of 
fully, but I'll try and break it down as simple as I can. I'm of the belief that music itself, and I'm not the first person to have thought this, it's been thought of through history countless times, but I'll, I'll get to why I think I'm sort of very strong about this. I believe that music has come to an end in the sense that no more new music can be made. Not no more new music as in, you know, if I write a song today, it'll be a new song. I don't mean like that. I mean, in terms of sonics and sort of ideas and genre, I genuinely think we've reached a point where nothing new can be created. Not say, for example, when... Uh, I'm trying to think of a genre off the top of my head now. I don't know. It's amazing. Went blank. Say, for example, when dubstep came out, right? When dubstep came out, obviously it took influence for a lot of things, but no one had heard music like dubstep any before. Like before, you couldn't, you couldn't sort of make many references other than sort of dub music maybe drum and bass in terms of like the heavyweightness of it but or uk garage as well of course but music to me always up until this point maybe could always stand out on its own as something new um although it may have cultural references and sort of origins it could always stand on its own without having to make a comparison to something else i think we are in a point where you can no longer do that i don't think any music now can come out without being explicitly something else maybe mixed with something else so genre, like genre, sort of genre mixing i think that's the extent of which music can get to now i don't think you can create something new I could be really wrong and if I get proved wrong then that's fine <laughs> I'm, f I'm totally fine with that um I just I'm I'm just I've been thinking about it for some time and like I just don't think that music is gonna ever new genres will ever be created new sounds and because you've also got to look look at this from a technological standpoint too. So they were saying this at sort of, you know, 100, 150 years ago, they thought that or about in like technology too. They say oh, everything that will be invented has been invented. Um, every genre like music will never progress past classical, right? Obviously, technology has changed massively since then. Um, when they were saying that about, you know, um, technology they didn't really consider the effects that the you know electricity will have um and sort of mass manufacturing and, and then eventually the internet and things like that they just wasn't never foreseen they were saying the same things about music too but i think the difference here is that we are now in a place where we can create any sound thought like with a computer and its processing power and the 
and our ears and speakers, we can create any frequency from in the audible range, any waveform possible. Like the, you, we, the processing power that we have now is so advanced that you can't make any new sounds. Like the the sounds, are, new sounds are done. Like when it comes to computers. You can make things sound interesting and weird and different. Don't get me wrong, but you can't make. It's really hard to explain. You you can make anything you want with a computer sound wise. You can generate any frequency. You can generate any waveform or combination of waveforms and frequencies to make any sound that you want. They couldn't do that 100, 150 years ago. So they didn't foresee it. P computers as they get more powerful, won't change that, I don't think. I could be wrong. Even in a in hundred years time, the computers will still be making the exact same frequencies and waveforms that we can make now. Um, and I don't think they will improve on that. So it will not leave for any room for sonic invention. Um, music itself... In, is, is what I mean is we're at the end of new music in that sense and it's all now going to be about context and how like what different contexts you can surround your music around like I say I'm not saying you can't have new music in the sense that I'm going to write a new album that's that's not what I mean um, but I think now it's just going to be music itself will no longer be new we all only have new contexts and things to pair it with maybe like the, like visually or sort of contextually and i think a lot of artists subconsciously know this anyway um so they use that sort of they use it in a like it's almost it's a little bit nihilistic in it in, in its sort of sense but they use it in a positive way um, and use it as a force for creativity in the sense that they know what the end is. They know they're at the end. So it doesn't matter what we do. So a good example of this is, and, it, and it, again, people might know, I'm just going to have another quick sip of water. Another one that, another sort of genre that kind of knows this, I think, is the drum and bass scene that's happening at the moment in the sense that it's, it's something I follow quite closely so and people probably get sick of me talking about it but it's I think it's quite important in the sense that I think so, what's, there's a lot of producers in the drum and bass scene who are taking that standard sort of 170, 175, two-step drum pattern and they are just whacking whatever the fuck they want on top of it um, sound design wise there's some wild shit going on um, I think rhythm I hate saying that but uh, rhythm as well is kind of the same in the sense it's got a very formulaic built on old music structures with sounds that make no fucking sense really they're tricking people into dancing to these things as well like when you look at sort of a lot of the drum and bass and rhythm and stuff like the sound design is extremely experimental um and extremely um 
difficult to process and like harsh on the ears and doesn't make any sense really but that's why people like and we're like almost tricking people into sort of dancing to it and like yeah you know this is this is something this is like music um and i think a lot of those producers are in that headspace where they they know they can't go any further with this so let's just have fun with what we've got um and that's why i think genres like rhythm like it's not a genre i enjoy um the sound design for me is too like a little bit too esoteric at times and not very musical but I think that's why genres like that thrive because they've reached that they've, there's no more threshold anymore there's the brick wall and they've got rather than be down about it they're using it to the, their advantage and that's kind of what me and uh, HKE did with our album uh, Hype Whatever Hype or Whatever we know that we can't go any further with it so let's just take sounds that don't really make much sense and sort of evolve them into something that feels a little bit sort of familiar um like that that album has like 20 different genres in it <laughs> like there's just but we can't create a new genre from that because you can always go back and go oh that's you can always make comparisons to old music which i didn't think you could do with some new genres um a lot of people disagree with me um and i'm quite happy to have that discussion with them um i'm not going to say i'm 100 right it's just sort of how i my perspective on like where i think music is at at the moment um or where it's not at if you want to look at it that way and, I, and again it's not me shitting on music either i love music it's the only thing i'm good at um so you know, it's one of my it's my biggest passion 100 percent um and i'm in that sort of camp of like okay well let's just have fun with it um rather than sort of give up in the sense that oh, i'm not going to try and progress anything i don't think music can be progressed anymore i don't i don't think music when someone says oh this is some groundbreaking music i just don't believe that to be true um i don't get excited for music in that sense i don't get excited for the idea of groundbreaking music because i don't think there is any but that doesn't mean that music's not good and people are making good things and making stuff that's interesting it's not what i mean it's quite a, like again it's quite complex and it's quite hard to de describe and maybe i'll sit down and write it down one day and it'll make more sense um the eom manifesto or something like that <laughs> um but again like i say with literally every one of these words if you want to have a chat with me about this idea let's let's do it um i've had a few arguments <laughs> in, in my time about this so I'm more than happy to have a few more and sort of go head to toes and see what we can what we can get out of it. But yeah, that's kind of where I, I'm going to leave that one there. Um, maybe I should write it up. Maybe it's something that people might read or get a kick out of. Um, I'll have a think about that. Okay, so we're on the final word. I think after this episode, we'll go back to the usual um, sort of having a guest on. But we'll do this is the last word now this word's a little again a little bit outdated because it hasn't really been on anyone's tongue for um a couple of weeks now but it was quite key when this word was suggested to me and that is vapor hell <laughs> I, and i promised i'd talk about it so and sort of give my perspective on it now if people don't know what i mean by this 
I kind of try and sum it up with my with my sort of not answer to the word, but like kind of my explaining of it. So when I first got into this side of music, so in the sort of the dream punk scene, um, as it's now called, my start in this without a shadow of doubt came from the vaporwave scene i got interested in internet music as a whole through the vaporwave scene that i discovered i believe on 4chan on some random music thread with these album covers with roman busts on them and um japanese text and the whole slow down music thing and recontextualization and and truth be told i like i was never the it wasn't the music that i found that interesting um that was good don't get me wrong there was some great vaporwave albums um it was always on the weirder side of stuff usually maybe on the more sort of noisy sort of um more esoteric stuff but it was more of the the aesthetic contextual side of things you know and having like anonymous artists and things like that i thought was really cool um and this was for about a year before i even touched making any music in this scene um i was just kind of a fan um i found not long after i found out about dream catalog and i always thought they were a little bit different in the vaporwave scene they didn't present their albums as albums they presented them as dreams and they're all very different and didn't really sound like vaporwave at all a lot of the time but kind of just fell under into that bracket um it's not until sort of 2814 came out and hk by uh, hke or hong kong express as you was known then that we kind of got this new sort of ambient electronic romantic cyberpunky um purple and blue sort of melancholic music that was to me sounded nothing like the vaporwave stuff that was happening at the time um i don't really know much about sort of electronic ambient music at the time but it didn't didn't resonate the same as the sort of the vaporwave stuff and i always naturally gravitated to that stuff more um and as I started making music myself, you know, there was more artists popping up doing this sort of stuff. And eventually, you know, we got we went through the whole hard vapor thing. We got out the other side. The word dream punk had been used in 2015 by HK to describe the music, but never really took a latch. And then we're here now in sort of 2019, it was 2019, 2020, 2021, where dream punk has now become uh an actual sort of movement of artists it will all and like there is this is where a lot of the controversy comes with the word vapor hell i don't i may be not as brash as sort of hke when it comes to the way he describes it but i do tend to agree with what he says about this with about this whole thing is that dream punk will never escape the shadow of vaporwave as far as i'm concerned um 
because it came from vaporwave it'd be i think it's gonna be very hard to do a full uh clean break split from vape i just don't think that's going to be possible i think there's too much in the way of uh crossover with labels artists um fans i think there's just too much overlap in that sense which does it, it it's funny because it doesn't make much sense to me because and people have said this to me multiple times that dream punk is just vaporwave but i've never really understood that because in my head they're completely different genres of music or completely different movements they don't sound the same they don't use the same aesthetic they don't use the same sort of ethos in the sense of what i mean by that is most of dream punk is original music produced you know handwritten whereas obviously there is original vaporwave but the whole crux of that genre is that it was stealing other people's music um whereas dream punk's a little bit more uh like i say it was mainly original music in that sense again i'm not gonna say sampling doesn't go on and in dream punk and there isn't original stuff in vaporwave but i never really like they for me they just don't capture the same vibe at all um emotionally i'm not quite sure why the crossover is so big like i just don't personally that's just from my point of view i don't get it um and it's probably i got so invested in sort of the dream punk stuff back in 2015 2016 like i can't i haven't listened to vaporwave in years um it just doesn't hit me in the same way that it used to um again i I think i was mainly into it for the stuff other than the music I liked the community at the time. Not massively a fan of it now, but I liked the community at the time. I thought the the visual idea was interesting and stuff that I'd never seen before. The context and the the mysteriousness of it. Um, but musically, and you can tell with my music as well that I've just naturally gravitated more towards the dream punk side of things. Now, obviously, Vapor Hell was a term that HKE was throwing about in the sense that we are trapped in sort of the the Vaporwave machine um, and that Dream Punk's become quite vaporized, like vapor, vaporized. <laughs> That's what they for first. It's become the stuff that I didn't like about the Vaporwave scene, was, which was the it's kind of a separate issue altogether it became less about the music itself and more about everything else so it became more about collecting the tapes and the vinyl it became more about bandcamp squares it became more about personality and over music and that's just not something i get down with personally like i am i'm more interested in the music and people may say I'm wrong, which is fine. If you like, I I don't. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to tell you that you don't enjoy the music. If you you know collect a million tapes and whatnot, like I'm not going to tell you otherwise. But like just noticing through my own um, personal experience, um, people tend to care less about the music. 
and I can I, and I, I've seen that through um, sort of the amount of plays that I get on my music now compared to what I used to um, the amount of times that I would get requests for a vinyl release for an album that was digital only um, again I've not got nothing against vinyl I own quite a lot of it but for me music always came first I didn't care about if an album has a vinyl release or some sort of plastic um, physical version of the album I don't care about that um, I'm more interested to hear what an artist has to say for his music that rather than the presentation of a vinyl release um i just i think you get you run the risk of things becoming a bit gimmicky um and i yeah it's just and i so i understand the vapor hell logic i'd maybe not as brash about it as hk was online at the time but i don't disagree with what he's saying in the sense that dream pump dream punk became very vape vaporized i'm gonna say again it and it's never going to escape that at all no matter how much is done we can just sit back and sort of enjoy it for what it is um or not enjoy it depending on who you who you ask um i love some of my, my, some of my favorite musicians in the world come from the dream punk scene a lot of my peers and my some of my closest friends are from the dream punk scene so i'm not going to sit here and shit on dream punk as an idea i think it was i think it's going places i don't know if it's going into places that i'm overly interested in but it's going places and that's more that's important nonetheless um rather than it sort of just die off so yeah this could be i might have had said some controversial things within the dream punk scene and again i'm more than happy to chat with people about it um i just i don't disagree with the idea of vapor hell maybe like again, maybe not as brash maybe not as intense and with such negativity surrounding it but i think it's there's a lot of valid points to be had and i think the ways that the, the dream punk scene have gone have kind of shown that and just through my personal experience again like uh just the attitudes towards my music and how i present my music and you know the fact that not i don't care like uh, it's not i'm not you know salty about it but less people are listening to my music now than they were when i first started um i think that has to do with the fact that i'm maybe experimenting in genres different genres now but i think it all comes under that same banner like no one's listening to digital files anymore they just want vinyl and cds and stuff um who knows maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm all i say that after <laughs> after every word maybe i'm wrong um i don't think i'm right to be fair i think it's just from my personal experience um and again i'm more than happy to chat to people about that and um if you want to reach out if you want to come on the podcast and have a chat with me about it let's do it
let's uh let's have a a round table maybe of like the idea of vapor hell or any of the words i discuss in this especially the last two shows if you want to come like hit me up maybe we'll have a chat about it and um can always see where that conversation goes but as for this conversation with myself and you and you the listener um i'm gonna finish it up there that was the last word from uh the user submitted suggestions so thank you very much for listening um these solo ones have been quite eye-opening for me i'm not very good at them as you can probably tell i'm much better talking to other people but i thought i'd give it a go work on my public speaking skills rather than conversational skills and if you want to hear more of these let me know um maybe i'll do some more maybe on like episode 20 because i did the last one on episode 10 maybe on episode 20 i'll do another user submitted one i'll try and get some guests between now and then the next 10 episodes however long that however long that is but okay so if you enjoyed today's podcast please let me know at my personal twitter which is at remember 4802 um like i said before I really want to know what you think and if you are wanting to maybe come on or you have suggestions for themes and guests let me know um more than happy to facilitate that uh thank you for listening and i hope you can join us again uh, for the next episode of audible forms